most of these office buildings in this neighborhood that you see are 85% vacant. One thing is we're saving a lot of money with overhead expenses. The cost-benefit analysis for Manhattan has fundamentally changed. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome into The Debrief. I'm Adam Cooperstein. And throughout the month of May on News 4 New York, we've been taking a look at what's next for New York, shining a spotlight on some of the changes for the city as we emerge from the darkness of the pandemic. On this episode of The Debrief, we shine the spotlight on one of the biggest disruptions of them all, office workers not returning to the office. The sea of office buildings in Manhattan, that's the economic driver of the entire tri-state. It brings in millions of commuters daily, at least it did. So today the question is, when will office workers start to come back? And also, how will Manhattan be changed forever because of this pandemic? We're gonna to talk to people in the real estate business about signs of hope, and then also get a bit of a reality check from a guest with no skin in the game. Even as New York City begins to buzz again, America's largest business districts, Midtown and Lower Manhattan, are stuck at a red light. Most of these office buildings in this neighborhood that you see are 85% vacant. Corey Abdo has been working in commercial real estate for 38 years. Throughout the pandemic, he's seen the dire headlines predicting that remote work is here to stay. Manhattan may never be the same. Manhattan will never be the same as it was pre-pandemic. But I believe that Manhattan, like it's done so many times in the past, will reinvent itself. A survey from the Partnership for New York City showed that as of March, only 10% of Manhattan office workers had returned, and less than half are expected back in the office by September, with slightly more than half saying they'll work remotely part-time permanently. Coming back to the office is key to the revitalization of, of New York City. Jeff Blau is the CEO of New York City real estate titan, the related companies. That's Google's new headquarters. Google is moving more people than from his office overlooking Related's mega development at Hudson Yards, Blau says there are recent signs that make him optimistic about workers returning to the office. I think between now and September, you're going to see that kind of phase in to, to full return. When you say full return, you don't mean pre-pandemic return. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be pre-pandemic. Really? In September, I think that. Blau points to plummeting COVID rates as vaccinations increase. And in just the last week, influential investment banks and tech companies signaling that they plan to summon workers back to the office. Then all the major law firms that support those businesses and the firms that support the law firms, it'll be a rippling effect. While rents are down and new leases, especially in older buildings, still aren't being signed, Abdo and Blau both point to a recent increase in office space showings and a growing demand for luxury buildings, like the just completed one Vanderbilt, now 80% leased. The companies that are making those leasing decisions believe that everyone's gonna come back. But plenty of companies have already given up office space in Manhattan. We've been in New York for 30 years, so it's a big transition for us. Aaron Bloom works for the staffing company Aquin. They're bailing on this office in Flatiron, where I Zoomed with her while she worked from home. One thing is we're saving a lot of money with overhead expenses. If we're not paying for real estate anymore, we're able to reinvest that money in other things, into our business, into our people. 
and it gives people flexibility. Even the biggest proponents of office culture admit most companies will offer flexibility and some sort of work from home policy. But another glimmer of hope for the epicenter of the tri-state's economy comes from commuters. While ridership on Metro North is still down more than 70%, we found evidence people expect to return. In the town of Rye, few have given up their $1,000 a year parking spaces at the train station. In fact, there's 350 people on the waiting list. Because if they give it up, they never get it back. Which means that they believe they will return. And it's great to be joined right now by CNBC Wealth Editor and also a uh, man who covers the New York City real estate market at CNBC, Robert Frank. Thank you so much for being with us, Robert, to help us understand a complicated subject matter where some of the people who have a say in it have a stake in it. And it's complicated to weed that out a little bit. So that's why I turn to you, Robert. We appreciate you. Um, the, the commercial real estate situation in New York City has been stalled more than the rest of this business recovery, it seems. Do you sense that there's been a momentum in the last few weeks, the way that uh, Jeff Blau from Related and some of the folks at J.P. Morgan have felt? There have been two important periods for commercial real estate. The first was last fall when we got news of the vaccine. And that was just huge for New York City, both on the residential and the commercial side. And you started to see commercial tenants, whether it's the tech companies or the banks or insurance companies or law firms, starting to sniff around New York commercial real estate for the first time in months. They were finally looking to lease space, not get rid of it. And that was a really important moment. And then the second moment was we all assumed it would be September before we saw any return to work. That's what the banks were saying, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. Now what we're hearing from the CEO of Goldman, from Jamie Dimon at, at J.P. Morgan, is we want you back in June or July. And so it appears that we thought we would have basically a dead summer in Manhattan when it comes to just activity on the commercial side. It now looks that's going to be pushed forward to June or July. And, and that is all great news. We also hear from the commercial real estate companies that they're seeing large numbers of tours. They're giving tours to companies that want to lease space in Manhattan. So that's what's happening on the good side. On the reality check side is the incredible amount of empty space that we have in Manhattan right now. 80 million square feet of empty office space. And by the way, when I say empty, that's just the amount of space that is unleased. There is millions, perhaps tens of millions of more square feet that is technically still leased by companies, but they don't plan to use it. And so I think you could be talking well over 100 million square feet of empty space. That is a 16 to 17% occupancy rate. That doesn't sound that high, but we haven't seen anything like that since, you know, probably the early 1990s, which wow. was the kind of beginning of when Manhattan was recovering from just a terrible decade. And we, we've seen the recovery before, but what do you think makes this one perhaps different? Some of the doubters would say, yeah, 9-11, uh, the fiscal crisis, the recession in, in uh, about 15 years ago. But now we're talking about a, a situation where remote work with broadband where it is, remote work is more doable and successful than ever before. Do you think that that's going to 
slow this down even more so than previous recoveries? Absolutely. I wouldn't even say it's just going to slow it down. It is going to permanently change the way we work and who lives in cities and who has to live in cities. Basically, the cost-benefit analysis for Manhattan has fundamentally changed simply because the only reason many people lived in Manhattan was because they had to. And now that's simply not the case. If you can come to the office maybe one or two days a week or three days a week, that means you can live in the Hudson Valley, you can live in Long Island, you can live in Pennsylvania and commute just for those couple days. Jamie Dimon has said, look, we probably won't need six out of uh, four out of 10 seats that we have in our office right now after COVID because we won't require people to be in the office all the time. So this is not a COVID thing. This is an entire change in where and how people work. And that is going to structurally affect New York City and the prices. So what happens to those buildings? There's some you know, different takes on, there's, there's, there's towers everywhere. We talked about how empty they are right now. And even if some of those showings turn into lease signings, there's still going to be a lot of space and a lot of towers that are unoccupied. What happens moving forward? The, the question, which I think has been a false choice, is will Manhattan recover? Of course it will. Will New York still be New York? Of course it will. The question is at what price? And that has changed. You look at the commercial space, I think you see rents down about 20%. On the residential side, you've seen them also down about 20%. I think they still have further to go. And again, these offices, even the new office buildings we're talking about in Hudson Yards, Wonder Vanderbilt, the incredible new supply of stuff coming on the market, that will get absorbed. There will be people in these offices. The question is, how much will they be willing to pay? We are not even close to finding that bottom yet because, again, we have 80 million square feet still to lease. Do you think some of the buildings are eventually reimagined and become uh, partly housing, residential, in addition to office space? Well, it's funny because you see hotels trying to convert to residential. You hear about some residential for sale buildings converting to rentals. You hear about commercial buildings converting to residential. There's no answer. There's just too much space. You could call it commercial. You call it hotels. You call it commercial uh, residential. There's just too many square feet that won't be lived in and won't be worked in in Manhattan. So converting is not the answer. And plus, when you try to convert commercial buildings to residential, the ceilings are too low, the stairwells aren't right, the elevators, the lobbies, it's just too complicated, too expensive. So we're stuck with this space. And again, we do have Facebook leasing the Farley building. We've got Google, we've got Apple. Some of these tech firms, and all these commercial realtors will tell you, we are being saved by the tech companies. Look at all this square footage. Well, you know, I think Facebook is leasing, I don't know, something like 700,000 square feet. That's fine. What about the other 79 million square feet? Um, so it's a drop in the bucket. And, and again, I just think it's going to come down to price. And these companies, these giant REITs that trade on the exchanges, and by the way, their stock prices are up 50% since the bottom. So investors are betting on a rapid recovery in Manhattan. And I think they're ahead of their skis because I don't think it's going to be fast. It will come back. They will get filled, but not in the next 12 months. Right. There's going to be some time there. Uh, are, there are there 
concerns from a revenue standpoint, because when we ask the city about this sort of thing, they'd point to, well, there's a lot of federal dollars coming our way right now. And so that maybe it's not the same kind of short-term problem that it would have been with lost tax revenue from all the, all these leases, you know, empty spaces and, and less uh, money coming in from leases. Big revenue problem. And, and it's a long-term one. You're right. Short-term, we got all this bailout from the Fed. And what's helping New York City, New York State even more is on the individual income taxes because the wealthy have done so well, the stock market's so high. We're collecting far more than anyone projected on individual income taxes. The problem is the biggest source of revenue for New York City is property taxes. 40% of all revenues come from property taxes. Property taxes we're down by a billion dollars in the most recent quarter, and that is just the beginning. If you look at, they devalued commercial real estate by 25% in the most recent period, and that just doesn't even start to cover what we're going to see for the spring and the rest of this year. Commercial real estate will get worse before it gets better. Even the big commercial real estate firms will tell you that just because of the lag times involved. So we are going to see a hit on the property tax side that I don't think the city has really baked in yet because they've been bailed out and they're seeing so much great revenue from the federal government and from income taxes that they haven't had to face the music on the property taxes, which is the lifeblood of New York City's economy when it comes to taxes. Yeah, it's so important to remember and something the next mayor will certainly have to reckon with. Robert, thank you so much for the time. It was uh, great getting your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you. Big thanks to Robert Frank from CNBC and a big thanks to all of you for listening and to our production team, Darren Price, Melissa Mack, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm Adam Cooperstein. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Debrief.